Mike Tomlin is open to change. His word, not mine. Mike Tomlin is ready to do things differently. His word, not mine. I have no idea what he could be thinking here. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into hockey and or baseball, I also offer daily shots of Penguins and Pirates in the same place that you found this. Tomlin had his weekly press conference on Monday, as opposed to the usual Tuesday, because the Steelers again will be playing on a Saturday that's 4.30 p.m. kickoff against the Bengals at Akershire Stadium. And according to the head coach, things should look and feel and everything else be different. Here's that right from his mouth. We're definitively open to making whatever changes necessary in an effort to change the outcome of football games. Man, you don't need more than two or three weekends to see a pattern, particularly ones that you don't like. And so we're not going to sit on our hands and, and, and hope for a different outcome. Um, and so we're in the midst of working through some of those things right now. Oftentimes, um, the discussion comes down to, to players or divisional labor, but make sure that you understand that those conversations are not exclusive to that. Um, the strategic component of it is huge in terms of what we're asking people to, to do collectively and their ability uh, to execute it. Now, with practice for the week beginning today at 1230 p.m., it, it's not going to be known by anybody what he might have in mind other than that he took the opportunity to announce and I mean before any questions were taken, that Mason Rudolph will be the quarterback against the Bengals. And he did so in a pretty pronounced way, making very clear how unhappy he was with Mitch Trubisky's performance, and then adding on some stuff about how Mason has earned this chance, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, that last part you can throw right out the window. Because there have been so many remarks and more important than that, actions to the contrary by this management team and by Tomlin himself to take anything like that seriously. But that's something, okay? Changing the quarterback would normally be a nuclear war-sized headline in the city of Pittsburgh. As it is, I don't even know that it makes it out to the front page. But there's got to be way more than that. And again, I can't even wrap my head around what it is. The closest that Tomlin would come to being specific in any capacity, at any position on either side of the ball, besides quarterback, was to strongly suggest that Miles Jack will be out there at inside linebacker. Miles Jack, who hasn't had the fitness level needed to earn even a helmet since he's been back here. But that's the change. That means Michael Walker, I presume, who was just awful in Indianapolis, would come out. That means Mark Robinson will go in. The Steelers don't trust him at all when it comes to stopping the pass. They like his ability to close and to tackle, but... 
not the rest. So maybe he'll be a change. There won't be a Minka Fitzpatrick. It sure doesn't seem like there's going to be a DeMonte Casey unless he has the greatest suspension overturn ever. So you're looking at what? At safety. Miles Killebrew coming off of special teams? Trenton Thompson presuming he's okay after he had his own in-game injury in Indianapolis? You see where we're going here? I mean, you want me to keep doing this? Because I can. Probably the only meaningful thing that I think Tomlin could pull off in terms of the scope of the change, not necessarily the potential effectiveness of the change, is to shake up the offensive line. I I would sit Dan Moore in two seconds after what he did against the Colts. Actually, I should say after what the Colts did against him. I could say the same thing for Mason Cole. I could say the same thing for James Daniels, who might have had his worst game ever. Heck, Broderick Jones didn't play well. That was a first. Jones got schooled. So I could do something if the if the goal is some sort of message sending or weeding out the people who aren't trying hard enough. I could go ahead and bring Chuksakorafor back onto the field and move Jones over to left tackle. And even if I didn't touch anything on the interior, even if I didn't go completely wacky and bring in like Nate Herbig at center or something and run all the risks that come with that, I should add the communication factors, the all the scheming and the planning and the adjusting that have been done with the two running backs. Even if I throw that out, I'm still probably just getting a wash here, right? The immediate stuff, the short-term stuff, that's going to suffer. It has to. It has to. That positional group is built in a healthy setting on consistency on camaraderie on having that little understanding of who's going to be there for you to chip this person or that person you can't do that between now and saturday oh and besides remember that the last time the steelers faced this particular opponent out in cincinnati no less they kind of had their way with them offensively so do you really want to change too much regardless what 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 is this change? What is it? Is it just talk? Is it just something to fill the time at the press conference? Oh, wait, 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 wait. I think I've got it. I think I've got it. Jalen Warren's going to start. And Jalen Warren's going to open most of the series instead of Najee Harris. Do you buy that one? Do you buy that one? How long have you been paying attention to this? When we come back, J1Q. This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by our good friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located on Federal Street, directly across from PNC Park. Mike has more than 500 beers on tap, including from more than 50 local breweries. Stop in and say hello. Tell Mike we sent you. Mike's Beer Bar. Today's J1Q comes from Craig, who says, Wow, DK, I didn't think DeMonte Casey 
would get tossed from the game, much less be suspended for the rest of the NFL season. I'm not a rules expert, but it seems like KZ's being used as an example for whatever reason. Would you agree? Yes, Craig, I would. 100%. But that doesn't mean that I necessarily disagree with the ruling. And I know that's not going to be a popular view within this particular audience. But when I saw the hit live, I I didn't like it. I didn't like the body language. I didn't like what I felt was intent. What's really important in the league's ruling, if you read the letter that the league wrote to Casey, is that they saw intent. They pointed out intent, and then they feel that they supported their case by citing other examples from this season in which Casey was fine. What I don't think anybody could debate is whether or not it was a dangerous collision, regardless of intent. Incredibly dangerous. The receiver's flying in the air. Now, is it on the receiver to make sure that he's not doing things that could jeopardize his own health? Sure. Is it on Gardner Minshew to not throw hospital balls? Sure. But is it also on Casey to avoid what the league has determined to be an illegal hit? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the question that I've got that rises above all the rest is, to what extent did the league make this known to the individual athletes? Anytime there's a change to a rule, anytime there's an adjustment to a rule, or even a reinterpretation, like a focus on guidelines, it is incumbent on the people running the league to get that message out to players, not just by distributing a memo, not just by distributing video examples. They have to come to each of the 32 training camps and have sessions with players right there in a room available to answer questions clearly, concisely, nothing in a confusing way, and you let them know exactly what's expected and what the new standard or revised standard is for a given rule. From there, you tell them why, why this is being done. That's the part that I don't know. That's the part where I can't say if the league did its job properly. Because I'd say with conviction, hey, this is just fine as long as everybody knew and as long as everybody understood. Except that my belief is they didn't do that, for example, with running backs. You know those two $48,000 fines Jalen Warren's had this season, one of which was rescinded, both of which should have been rescinded? He'll tell you. Other running backs will tell you because he wasn't the only one this happened to around the league that they had no idea this was coming. They had no idea they'd be getting hit with fines that would encompass the majority of their paychecks. They had no idea. And they're not going to bluff about it after the fact. I mean, I guess maybe they could if you're trying to make a case. 
to get some of the money back. But I happen to believe, Warren, I happen to believe the other backs that this was not made anywhere near clearly enough. So when I go to your question and the way you phrased your question, Craig, which is, are they being used as an example? Yes, but they should not be used as an example after the fact, after not being duly informed about these changes. Now, the part of the conversation that doesn't interest me at like at all is well, that's not the way football was when I was a kid or whatever. That game is gone. Anybody hoping for that to come back uh, is going to have a whole flank of doctors in their faces, and they should. Because if you want to just wax eloquent about the way football was in the 1970s, then you'd better bring up what happened to Mike Webster after his retirement and a whole bunch of other players. If you love football and you love football players, you don't just stop loving them or caring about them whenever they're done playing. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We're going to do another one of these tomorrow. 